Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course in Miracles. This is Season 5, and it's called The Book Club. We're on Chapter 11. Welcome back. I am just finishing a cold, and I hope I won't cough very much, so bear with me if I do. I've been reading so much more these days. I discovered an interesting little book that a friend of mine introduced me to. The book is titled The Impersonal Life. Interesting to note that the author first published it as an anonymous author. The book was written in 1941. We must remember what was happening at that point in time. And given what he had to say, he likely may have been persecuted for these words. The author is Joseph Benner. He believed he was channeling Christ when he wrote these words. Here is some of what he said. Chapter four of this book says, yes, I know the many mixed thoughts that have been crowding your, into your mind as you read, the doubts and eager questionings, the vague fear that imperceptibly changed into a growing hope that this glimmering of my meaning, which has begun to penetrate the darkness of your human intellect, may shine bright so you can clearly see the truth, which you instinctively feel is hidden beneath my words. Again, I say that I am speaking herein as the real self of you. And in reading these words, it is necessary that you realize it is you, your own self, that is speaking them to your human consciousness in order fully to comprehend their meaning. I also repeat that I am the same I am that is the life and spirit animating all living things in the universe from the tiniest atom to the greatest sun, and that this I am is the intelligence in you and in your brother and sisters, that it is likely the intelligence which causes everything to live and grow and become that which it is their destiny to be. <laughs> wow, sound familiar, right? If you read this little book, you will see many similarities in the message and the teachings of Course in Miracles. It appears Christ has reached out to many over the past centuries to get the same message out to all. Okay, so today I will cover chapter 11, continue with chapter 11, ego, God or the ego. I'll cover three sections. So they're the last three sections of that chapter, which is called Waking to Redemption, The Condition of Reality, and The Problem and the Answer. And then in two weeks' time, we will continue with chapter 12, which is the Holy Spirit's curriculum, and we'll start at the beginning of chapter 12 at that point in time. Okay, so I'm on page 207. Uh, it's called Waking to Redemption. Paragraph one reads like this. It is impossible not to believe what you see, but it is equally impossible to see what you do not believe. Perceptions are built up on the basis of experience, and experience leads to beliefs. It is not until beliefs are fixed that perceptions stabilize. In effect, then, what you believe, you do see. That is what I meant when I said, Blessed are ye who have seen, who, who have not seen, and still believe. For those who believe in the res resurrection will see it. <laughs> Interesting enough, I did the reading in church today, and it talked about this particular saying, this blessed are ye who have not seen and still believe. And this was when Christ reappeared to Thomas, who was one of the apostles that Christ didn't, um, that didn't see Christ when he came back after he, after the resurrection. So Christ came back again just for Thomas, because Thomas 
needed to see the holes in his hands, needed to see the holes in his side, and needed to touch them to believe, because he could not believe that Christ had risen. And so that was Christ's words after he met with Thomas. Paragraph two says, would you join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? Question mark. Would you condemn your brother or free them? Question mark. Would you transcend your prison and ascend to the Father? Question mark. These questions are all the same and are answered together. There has been much confusion about what perception means because the word is used both as awareness and for the interpretation of awareness. Yet you cannot be aware without perception, interpretation, sorry, for what you perceive is your interpretation. Paragraph three says this course is perfectly clear. If you do not see it clearly, it is because you are interpreting against it and therefore do not believe it. Sentence four says, yet different experiences lead to different beliefs and with them different perceptions. For perceptions are learned with beliefs and experience does teach. I am leading you to a new kind of experience that you will become less and less willing to deny. Learning of Christ is easy for to perceive with him involves no strain at all. His perceptions are your natural awareness and it, next page, is only the distortions you produce that tire you. Paragraph four says, I am your resurrection and your life. You live in me because you live in God and everyone lives in you and you live in everyone. Can you then perceive unworthiness in a brother and not perceive it in yourself? Question mark. And you can perceive it in yourself and not perceive it in God? Question mark. Paragraph five, sentence four says, the God of crucifixion demands that he crucify and his, his worshipers obey. In his name, they crucify themselves, believing that the power of the Son of God is born of sacrifice and pain. The God of resurrection demands nothing, for he does not will to take away. He does not require obedience, nor for obedience implies submission. He would only have you learn your will and follow it not in the spirit of sacrifice and submission, but in gladness of freedom. Paragraph seven says, resurrection must compel your allegiance gladly because it is the symbol of joy. Its whole compelling power lies in the fact that it represents what you want to be. The freedom to leave behind everything that hurts you and humbles you and frightens you cannot be thrust upon you, but it can be offered you through the grace of God. Paragraph seven at the bottom says, you will not find peace until you have removed the nails from the hands of God's son and taken the last thorn from his forehead. The love of God surrounds his son, whom the God of crucifixion condemns. Teach not that I died in vain. Teach rather that I did not die by demonstrating that I live in you. Paragraph eight says, you have nailed yourself to a cross and placed a crown of thorns upon your own head. Yet you cannot crucify God's son, for the will of God cannot die. His son has been redeemed from his own crucifixion, and you cannot assign a death whom God has given eternal life. Paragraph 9 says, You will awaken to your own call, for the call to awake is within you. If I live in you, you are awake. Yet you must see the works I do through you, or you will not perceive that I have done them unto you. Do not set 
limits on what you believe I can do, believe I can do through you, or you will not accept what I can do for you. Paragraph 10 says, God's son is saved. Bring only this awareness to the sonship and you will have a part in the redemption as valuable as mine. For your part must be like mine if you learn it of me. If you believe that yours is limited, you are limiting mine. There is no order of difficulty in miracles because all of God's sons are of equal value and their equality is their oneness. The whole power of God is in every part of him and nothing contradictory to his will is either great or small. What does not exist has no size and no measure. Next page. Oh, well, actually, we'll stop here. So this is Waking to Redemption. This section really clearly trying to identify that there's very little we have to do except for believe that we are part of God and part of Christ, and we are are equal and one. And in believing that one concept is what leads us to redemption, leads us to understanding who we truly are and where we truly belong. But until we do that, we're going to be struggling with this world's illusions and deceptions because we're going to think we are truly this body and not this spirit. The condition of reality is the next section on page 210, and it starts with the world as you perceive it cannot have been created by the Father, for the world is not as you see it. God created only the eternal, and everything you see is perishable. Therefore, there must be another world that you do not see. The Bible speaks of it of a new heaven and a new earth, yet this cannot be literally true, for the eternal are not recreated. To perceive anew is merely to perceive again, implying that before or in the interval between, you were not perceiving at all. What then is the world that awaits your perception when you see it? Question mark. Paragraph three says the ego may see some good, but never only good. That is why its perceptions are so variable. It does not reject goodness entirely for that you could not accept, but it always adds something that is not real to the real, thus confusing illusion and reality. Paragraph four says the perception of goodness is not knowledge, but the denial of the opposite of goodness enables you to recognize a condition in which opposites do not exist. And this is the condition of knowledge. Without this awareness, you have not met its conditions. And until you do, you will not know it is yours already. You have made many ideas that you have placed between yourself and your creator, and these beliefs are the world as you perceive it. Truth is not absent here, but it is obscured. That's where I ended it. That's the condition of reality. So again, talking about what reality is. <laughs> in reality, we don't live in reality. <laughs> we live in an illusion. Our reality is what is part of God, and it's God's condition, and it's God's um, kingdom that is reality. This isn't reality. This is a reality we created, one our ego thinks is important and is all bodies, and then why we have the attachments to people and things that we do. The next section called The Problem and the Answer 
uh, is in my book is on page 211. It starts paragraph one like this. This is a very simple course. Perhaps you do not feel you need a course which, in the end, teaches that only reality is true. But do you believe it? Question mark. When you perceive the real world, you will recognize that you did not believe it. Yet the swiftness with which your new and only real perception will be translated into knowledge will lead you but an instant to realize that this alone is true. And then everything you made will be forgotten, the good and the bad, the false and the true. For as heaven and earth become one, even the real world will vanish from your sight. The end of the world is not its destruction, but its translation into heaven. The reinterpretation of the world is the transfer of all perception to knowledge. Paragraph two says, the Bible tells you to become as little children. Little children recognize that they do not understand what they perceive, and so they ask what it means. Do not make the mistake of believing that you understand what you perceive, for its meaning is lost to you. Yet the Holy Spirit has saved its meaning for you, and if you will let him interpret it, he will restore it to you for what you have thrown away. Yet while you think you know its meaning, you will see no need to ask it of him. Paragraph three says, you do not know the meaning of anything you perceive. Not one thought you hold is wholly true. The recognition of this is your firm beginning. You are not misguided. You have accepted no guide at all. Instructions in perception is your great need, for you understand nothing. Recognize this, but do not accept it, for understanding is your inheritance. Perceptions are learned, and you are not without a teacher. Yet your willingness to learn of him depends on your willingness to question everything you learned of yourself, for you who learned amiss should not be your own teacher. Next page page 212, uh, sentence three at the top says, ask then for what is yours, but ask for what is yours, but which you did not make and do not defend yourself against truth. You made the problem God has answered. Ask yourself therefore, but one simple question, do I want the problem or do I want the answer? Question mark. Paragraph five Sentence five says the Holy Spirit will answer every specific problem as long as you believe that problem is specific. His answer is both many and one, as long as you believe that the one is many. You may be afraid of his specific, specific, I can't even say that word right now, for fear of what you think it will demand of you. Yet only by asking will you learn that nothing of God demands anything of you. God gives, he does not take. When you refuse to ask, it is because you believe that asking is taking rather than sharing. Paragraph 7 says, Little child of God, you do not understand your father. You believe in a world that takes because you believe that you can get by taking. And... By that perception, you have lost sight of the real world. You are afraid of the world you see it, world as you see it, but the real world is still yours for the asking. Do not deny it 
to yourself, for it can only free you. Nothing of God will enslave his son whom he created free and whose freedom is protected by his being. Blessed are you who are willing to ask the truth of God without fear, for only thus can you learn that his answer is the release from fear. Beautiful child, oh, sorry, paragraph eight, beautiful child of God, you are asking only for what I promised you. Do you believe I would deceive you? Question mark. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Believe that the truth is in me, for I know that it is in you. God's sons have nothing they do not share. Ask for truth of any son of God, and you have asked it of me. Not one of us, but has the answer in him to give to anyone who asks it of him. Paragraph 9, sentence 2 says, Do not then be deceived by your brother and see only his loving thoughts as his reality, for by denying that his mind is split, you will heal yours. Accept him as his father accepts him and heal him unto Christ, for Christ is his healing and yours. Paragraph 10 says, In the real world there is no sickness, for there is no separation and no division. Only loving thoughts are recognized, and because no one is without your help, the help of God goes with you everywhere. Paragraph 11 says, Do not accept your brother's veritable perception of himself, for his split mind is yours, and you will not accept your healing without his. For you share the real world as you share heaven, and his healing is yours. To love yourself is to heal yourself, and you cannot perceive part of you as sick and perceive your goal. Brother, we heal together as we live together and love together. Be not deceived in God's Son, for he is one with himself and one with his Father. Love him who he is beloved of his Father, and you will learn of the Father's love for you. Paragraph 12 at the bottom of the page says, If you perceive offense in a brother, pluck the offense from your mind, for you are offended by Christ and are deceived in him. Heal in Christ and be not offended by him, for there is no offense in him. Next page, which is page 214. Oh, sorry, I'm going to start at the bottom of 213. If if what you perceive offends you, you are offended in yourself and are condemning God's Son, whom God, next page, condemneth not. Let the Holy Spirit remove all offenses of God's Son against himself and perceive no one but through his guidance, for he would save you from all condemnation. I'm going to stop there for a second before I pick up with 13. So that is a lot of lot of the same thing being repeated. And basically what it's saying is that we need to recognize that we are in every other human being we come in contact with. Actually, every living thing we come in contact with, we are a part of. So when we, re, when we lash out at that other uh, a species or being, whether it's human or animal or plant, when we lash out at that, we're lashing out at ourselves. When we try to hurt that other being, we're hurting ourselves in the same process because we're all one. We're all connected. And so our lashing out is just, you know, condemning ourselves. And it wants 
this this part of the book wants us to be really, really clear that we are one in the same. Paragraph 13 says, children perceive frightening ghosts and monsters and dragons, and they are terrified. Yet if they ask someone they trust for the meaning of what they perceive and are willing to let their own interpretations go in favor of reality, their fear goes with them. When a child is helped to translate his ghost into a a curtain, his monster into a shadow and his dragon into a dream, he's no longer afraid and laughs happily at his own fear. Paragraph 14, you, my child, are afraid of your brothers and of your father and of yourself, but you are merely deceived in them. Ask what they are of the teacher of reality and hearing his answer, you too will laugh at your fears and replace them with peace. For fear lies not in reality, but in the minds of children who do not understand reality. Sentence seven, a little bit further down says, it is not the reality of your brothers and or your father, or yourself that frightens you. You do not know what they are, and so you perceive them as ghosts and monsters and dragons. Ask what their reality is from the one who knows it, and he will tell you what they are. And for you, do not understand them. And because you are deceived by what you see, you need reality to dispel your fears. Paragraph 15 says... Would you not exchange your fears for truth if the exchange is yours for the asking? Question mark. For if God is not deceived in you, you can be deceived only in yourself. Yet you can learn the truth about yourself from the Holy Spirit, who will teach you that as part of God, deceit in you is impossible. When you perceive yourself without deceit, you will accept the real world in place of the false one that you've made. And then your father will lean down to you and take the last step for you by raising you onto himself. And that's the end of chapter 11. And we'll start chapter 12. So just to go over that a little bit, because there was a lot in that, the problem and the answer. The problem and the answer is clearly that as long as we do not perceive ourselves as one with our brothers and sisters, with Christ and with God, as one entity that works together in perfect harmony and love and joy and peace, then we won't feel those emotions. We will be conflicted. We will feel lost. We will feel deceived. We will feel abandoned and attacked because we don't see ourselves as part of the bigger whole, the bigger picture. And then until we can accept that, that we are not these individual separate parts, that we are not uniquely um, unique individuals that are separated from one another, but in fact, we are a whole, one big part, then yeah, it's going to be really difficult to forgive and to accept and to understand all other human beings because we'll be too busy still judging them, still living in the negative misery of the lives we think that are real, and lose sight of what reality truly is, and where joy and peace and love reside. It's a choice. And it is a mind shift. It's a shift to changing our mind from this negative, judgmental perception of people to this loving, accepting openness to everyone being part of the whole part of one. All right. So that ends 
this. This is a little bit shorter this week because um, I want to just pick up with chapter 12 in two weeks. So we will continue with chapter chapter 12, which is the Holy Spirit's curriculum in two weeks' time, and I will cover the judgment of the Holy Spirit, the way to remember God, the investment in reality, seeking and finding, and the sane curriculum. My online live book club uh, runs on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If anyone is interested, please just send me an email, trifectanow3 at gmail.com. Uh, to join in. You're welcome to join in. We're a little bit further behind this group. Uh, We are going to surpass it because we meet every week. And I only speak to you every two weeks. So eventually my online one will pass this. But um, if anyone is interested, you're welcome to join. Thanks for listening. I can be contacted at my email address, trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to ask a question, share a comment, ask for the connection to the um, online book club, whatever you like, that would be awesome. Please keep sharing the love. Remember, this is our journey. Let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It's the only one that truly matters. Always love. Denise.